Welcome home. I'm John Hernandez, and you have tuned in to the CFA Church Podcast. If you have any questions about CFA Church, feel free to visit us at cfachurch.com. We pray that you would walk away from this moment loving Jesus and changing the world. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning. Are you ready to listen to the word this morning? I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced. Davidson, are you ready to receive the word this morning? Come on. Here we go. Deuteronomy chapter 10. Deuteronomy chapter 10. Occupy. Occupy. 2.0. My assignment from the Lord during this part of the series is that your faith will increase so that you will fully step into and fully occupy. Fully occupy. You remember, you remember playing uh, tag as a kid? So for those of you that were born after uh, 1995, tag is when you, um, <laughs> tag is when you went outdoors and, and, and I, I know it, like it was like you talked to real people and you interacted with other human beings and you didn't have a headset on. And that's what, ta- that's what tag was. And, but there were, there were different versions of tag, do you remember TV tag? Do you remember, I don't even remember, like you had to, if you got tagged, you had to shout out a television show, is that what we did? I can't even fully remember the rules of that one. And then there was, uh, there was freeze tag. You remember, you remember freeze tag? And uh, if, if you were tagged, then you weren't necessarily out of the game, but you were frozen, right? And, and I was thinking about that this weekend, and, and the, worst, the worst about being tagged in that situation was like not just tagged with two feet on the ground in a comfortable situation, but like if you got tagged in an awkward moment. <laughs> and then you realize that you didn't have as good of a ba- balance as you thought you did. You, did, you realize that it's harder to stand on one leg than you thought. And, and I was thinking about that, and, and I was thinking about, you know, strangely, that's that's exactly, what the, that's exactly what the enemy does in our lives. Here's what the enemy wants to do. The enemy wants to find you in your worst moment of failure in your life. He wants to tag you in that moment and say, freeze. And then what he wants to do, because he and all his little demon buddies are really good photographers, and he'll snap an image of you in the moment of your worst failure, and he won't post it online, he'll post it in your brain. And then he'll do what we talked about last week, he'll just hit repeat. And he will replay that image over and over and over, and it doesn't matter if that failure was on Friday or if that failure was in 2014 or if that failure was 40 years ago. Here's what the enemy wants to do is he wants to freeze you in your failure and remind you of that moment. And I, I want to I unfreeze some people this morning in the house. Is that okay if Jesus by the power of his Holy Spirit, unfreezes some people. So remember, the entire book of Deuteronomy is basically this kind of recounting of the past and getting Israel ready for the future. 
So it's Moses reminding them of where they've been and telling them where they're, go where they're going. And the entire purpose is to set them up for occupy because we can be delivered out of Egypt and never fully cross over, but we can also cross over and never fully occupy. And so Moses... Moses is now, he's telling the story, and there's some high, high points in the story, and there's some low points in the story, and then Moses is getting ready uh, to get up to the point of the story, he's to reminding them how God delivered them out of Egypt, how he brought the plagues against their enemies, how the Red Sea parted when there was no, when there was no way, when there didn't seem to be any way out of the situation, God always makes a way, and so the Red Sea parted, and, and they were beginning what should have been an 11-day journey across the desert and God brought them to Mount Sinai and Mount Sinai was the place where it was going to be this amazing uh, uh, manifestation of God's presence and God's actual uh, uh, plan here was not to call Moses up the mountain. That was actually secondary. God wanted to talk to the Israelites face to face and so God started to talk to them and, and the Israelites got all freaked out and they said, nah, we can't handle this. Like we just want to live our spirituality through our pastor. Like we don't want to pray ourselves. We just want to hear something on Sunday, and I'm glad you're here on Sunday, but God also wants to talk to you on Tuesday. And, and, and so they sent Moses up the mountain, and, and like, this is the point in the story where if I'm the Israelites, I'm getting really nervous um, because Moses is about to remind them of what I think was one of the most catastrophic failures that they had ever walked through. It's ever like, have you... Uh, ever hung out with a college buddy 20 years later with your children and they start telling stories and you start getting really nervous and you're kicking them under the table and you're saying, my kids don't, oh, no, no, you were, you're too saved. I get it. I get it. You were, you were way too saved all your life. But, but there are some people in the room that have some stories that they would prefer the rest of their life not be frozen on that one moment, and they would really prefer that their children do not find out about that moment in their past. And so this is what was happening. So Moses is reminding the parents about the stories, but all the kids are like, whoa, Ma Dad, you didn't, you didn't tell me that part. Like, you just told me that you got straight A. You didn't tell me that part. And so Moses goes into reminding them about when he was up on the mountain in the glorious presence of the Lord, when the Lord took the two stone tablets and he was chiseling out the Ten Commandments, which really were the terms of the covenant. See, sometimes we, sometimes Hmm, this is for somebody this morning. Sometimes we look at God's rules as God being mean and God saying no to you. And so you're afraid to get closer to God because he is, you think that he is going to tell you no out of more things in your life. God only said out of all the stuff in the universe, God only said no to this to give them the boundaries of what not to do so that he could step in so that the Israelites could step into the yes of God. The reason God is saying no to you is not because he's mad at you. It's because he has better for you. And, and he gives you boundaries. He gives us boundaries. Church, sexual boundaries are a gift from the Lord. Not to make you miserable. They're so to channel you, to focus you so that you can enjoy the way he has created us. 
all of these no's. And so, and so Moses is telling the story and he's reminding them. And, and Moses comes down the mountain and here the Israelites just having been delivered out of Egypt, just, just expecting God now to speak to them about their future. He comes down the mountain and, and this is what they did. They convinced Aaron, who Aaron was Moses' brother and, and kind of the second in command. They said, uh, Moses, we don't even know what happened to this guy. He went up the mountain. He's probably not coming back. God, this Yahweh that we just saw deliver us, we're not going to put our faith in him. In fact, it was probably other gods that brought us out of Egypt. And so, and so they said they took all their earrings and they took all their gold jewelry and they gave it to Aaron and Aaron put it into the fire and, and he fashioned this golden idol. He fashioned this golden calf and they started to bow down and worship. I mean, they did just, I mean, we would never do this. We would never, uh, God, God would never have just delivered us from something and then us attribute his deliverance in our lives to man-made things and man-made circumstances. But the, but the Israelites did. And so Moses came down the mountain. It was like, he is, y'all, he is fired up. He came off a retreat. He came off. He's got a word from God. He's ready to deliver it to the people. He, he's thinking, man, they're probably, they're probably in the middle of his blood still works. Pastor Jerry and the choir are bringing it, and I'm about to step up and preach a word and deliver. God's spoken to me, and he's all of a sudden, he looks out, and here they are bowing down and worshiping a golden calf. Catastrophic, catastrophic failure. And so here's what I want to look at. What does God say to them in that moment? What, what does God say to us in that moment? I want to preach. There's some people in the house this morning. Maybe this is your first time in church in 20 years, and you're just all kinds of nervous. And you're looking around saying, man, does anybody have like lightning insurance? It's been a while since God and I have hung out, and I'm nervous. And now, Pastor, you're talking about things that I remember from VBS 25 years ago. But I'm not sure. Listen, can I just tell you, relax, relax. God's got a word for you. But can I also tell somebody this, this morning, that you've been saved for five years, for 10 years, for 12 years. This catastrophic failure was after the salvation moment. It was after. Because here's where I think the enemy gets a lot of Christians. He's saying to you, if you would have failed before you knew Jesus, like if he would have said to the Israelites, if this failure would have taken place while you were still in Egypt, then that's under the blood. But you were already, you already experienced the Passover, and now this failure is after the blood of Jesus. And now there is a doubling of the guilt and shame because the enemy has not only frozen you in your failure, he's saying that failure occurred after you got saved. How dare you? And I want, to pre I want to preach, this is what the enemy has frozen. You may not even partially, maybe, part maybe not even fully, but, but, but partially frozen. And I really feel like the Lord would say five things to you this morning. And I, I really want you to receive this from heaven. I want you to receive these, the words of God because I'm going to preach right out of the word of God. Number one, God would say to you this morning that my plan A promise for your life is not diminished one bit. Look at this. At that time, the Lord said, Catastro they had blown it. They had absolutely blown it. And this is what the Lord said. 
At that time, the Lord said to me, chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones. Also make a wooden ark, a sacred chest to store them up. Come up to the mountain. Moses, come on back up. And I will write on the tablets, the, listen to this, the same words. The same words on the ones that you smashed. Now, if I was God, I would have called Moses up to the mountain and said, I gave you ten. Obviously, you can't handle ten. You brought up two tablets, Moses. Why are you bringing up two tablets? Put one of them down. I'm just going to give you five this time. Can't handle ten. You're going to... Because that's what, that's what... Listen, even after their failure, God still gave them all ten. And the enemy is in somebody's mind this morning telling you that God's tenfold promise in your life is not good anymore. He's only got five for you. He's only got three for you. But I'm here to remind you that even before, even before this was before Christ, even before Christ, the grace of God was still in operation. Was God a little bit angry at the Israelites? Yes. Was there some punishment? Yes. But hear me, anger and punishment are for a season. And again, so the enemy, first of all, will take a picture of your failure. Boom, frozen. Boom, frozen in your moment of adultery. Frozen in your moment of divorce. Frozen when you walked out of church 10 years ago and, you, and didn't come back frozen, frozen in those moments. And then the enemy will take a picture and try to freeze you in, in God's, like God's disappointment. So now I'm not only frozen in my actions, I'm frozen in my feelings. And, and I don't want to be around Christians any longer, not because I don't love the people that are following Jesus in my life, but because they remind me of where I used to be. And I don't want to go to church anymore, not because secretly, CFA, there are people in your life that want to go to church that are acting like they don't want to go to church. And the reason they're acting like they don't want to go to church is because they're afraid that God's mad at them. And he's not, and he doesn't have forgiveness for them. But inv invite them, bring, bring them in. God says, my plan A promises are still, they haven't lessened, they haven't diminished there's, so let me, let me explain it like this. Um, when you watch a movie now, like, uh, we don't, it's crazy. Like, we don't even have to go to Hollywood Video or, or Blockbuster. Or you can, you can look up in the history books what those are. And <laughs> like, now, now I got a little, a little box. It's a little Apple TV. And so when I want to watch a movie or the kids want to watch a movie, we just, we hit that. And, and one of the features on, on any kind of streaming device or recording devices is I can pause. I can pause, but I can only pause for so long. Because if I've rented, if I've rented the movie and I go to watch that movie more than 24 hours in the future, then what I've rented is no longer good. Oh, or you, can, or you can watch it on DVD. So maybe, maybe you didn't rent it on, on a streaming device. Maybe you rented it on DVD. And the DVD has that feature too, right, where you can, you can pause it and resume until you paused it one night, went to bed, and a week later you go back to resume where you left off and found out that another family member had hit eject. And so that only lasts so long. 
But, but back in the day, y'all, they used to have these things called VHS tapes. Like I'm talking, or beta. Remember beta? I'm talking top load. Remember, remember your third grade self when the teacher would wheel the AV cart with the television and the top load VCR and you were like, it's gonna be a fun history class because we're gonna watch a, a movie. But in that, on those VHS tapes, if you paused a movie, it doesn't matter what other family member ejected the tape. It doesn't matter if it was five months later or five years later. In fact, if you go back to your mama's attic right now, there is somewhere, there is a VHS tape that if you put that in, blew the dust off the top, put it in and hit play, it would pick up exactly where it left off. And God wants you to know this morning that your promises are not Apple TV promises. They don't expire. They're not DVD promises. Somebody else can't mess them up. Your promises are good old-fashioned VHS promises. Come on, if you receive that, give the Lord praise in the house this morning. They're still good. They're going to resume. I know, I know, Pastor Doug, I don't deserve it exactly. That's why it's called grace, and that's why you got to go back and listen to last week's word. If you miss it, the second thing that God wants to tell you this morning is this, I still long to be close to you. I still long to be close to you. Then place, then he says this, then place the tablets in the ark. In other words, place my promise by my presence. And here's what God, because the ark of the covenant was a representation of God's presence in the Israelites' life. And so now here's how the enemy will work at this stage. Even if somehow you're convinced that your promises are still good, the enemy would say, that's fine. Go ahead and work for God, but you're still not good enough to worship God. Here, here's what's crazy, um, is that sometimes the enemy's voice is loudest during worship. Right? Like, like this is, you wouldn't expect, you would expect, like, I'm in the, sanctuary. I'm in the house of God. I'm in a converted movie theater in Davidson. And this is like, this is God's space. But have you, have you found how sneaky the enemy is to get into spaces in your life that you wouldn't even think that he is? So Pastor John, hop up on stage and I didn't tell him about this. So, uh, but, but here's what the enemy will do. The enemy, so if Pastor John's there and he's going, to, he's going to worship and he's closing his eyes and he starts to put up his hands, here's what the enemy will do. The enemy will say, I'm sorry, what do you think you're doing? Um, because I saw the fight that you just had with your wife on the way into church. That's not true, because <laughs> it's just not true. They get up at different, there's different schedules. So I, the, enemy, the enemy will say, not that that's the reason that they weren't fighting. <laughs> but the, the enemy will start, he'll start whispering at you during worship. Like, no, I'm sorry, John, don't, don't worry. I saw, man, I saw the way that you got too mad at your kids. 
I saw the way that, and the enemy will start getting in your ear when you're trying to worship and you say, thanks, Pastor John, you can be seated. And, and uh, the enemy will start getting in your mind when you're trying to worship and then you start agreeing with him. Yeah, that's right. Who am I, who am I to worship? Messed up my taxes 10 years ago. Who am I to worship? Messed up that relationship 15 years ago. Who am I to worship? And I love what Mark Batterson says. He says this, never let what's wrong with you stop you from worshiping what's right with God. Understand that when the enemy starts me messing with you, sometimes thoughts will come into your mind during work. Like, why am I thinking? Why am I thinking of that? I, 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 I'll, give, I'll give you an example from last week. This is, like, this is crazy. This is, this is crazy. So, like, I'm up here preaching last week, and, and to let you in on behind the scenes of preacher's world. Sometimes, and I've asked this question, we talk about this among the staff, among other types, like, sometimes it flows and sometimes it doesn't. And, and hopefully, maybe you don't know when it's not, but sometimes, like sometimes, and it, it, can, it can have nothing to do with the amount of preparation and the amount of prayer and the amount of, like, it's say, like same, all of this, but sometimes when you're up here trying to communicate God's word, it just feels like it's more work than other times. And last Sunday morning was one of those times. It was one like, you know, if you're, if you're preaching good or you're doing something good, you make your way out into the lobby and you're like, I want to see everybody. And if it's a rough, rough Sunday, I'm like, get me to the parking lot. As like, I don't want to see anybody. I, that was awful. What is it? And here's what the enemy is whispering to me in the middle of the message. Hey, that was a good two-year run, Doug. I'm <laughs> I promise you. That was a good two years, Doug. You're done. You've preached all your best stuff. You've used all your good stories. It's downhill from now. How many of you know that's a lie? At least I hope it's a lie. But if you're here this morning and the enemy was in your head during worship, it's only because he knows God has more for you on the other side. So you got to press through, break through, praise through. You got to praise through that loop that the enemy wants to put on your mind that what God says to you is, I not only want you to work for me, I want to be close to you. I want to draw you in. I want you to worship me, not based on your merit, but based on my merit. I want you to worship, worship God, not based on your performance, but on his holiness. Worship God, not based on his, your works, but on the fact that he is worthy. And that's part of what worship is, is that it gets my mind off of myself. It gets my mind off of my circumstances. It gets my mind off of everything else, and it points it to Jesus, points it to the one who's worthy. Here's the third thing that God wants you to know this morning. He's saying to somebody in the middle of your frozenness and your failure, don't panic at what I'm taking, uh, at what I'm taking away. Believe in where I'm taking you to. Verse 6. The people of Israel set out from the wells of the people of Jachin and traveled 
to Masera where Aaron died and was buried. And his son Eleazar ministered as the high priest in his place. And then they journeyed to Gagoda and from there to Jabatha, a land with many brooks and streams. Do you know that sometimes the enemy will freeze you in your past, but if he can't freeze you in your past, he'll freeze you in your present. The enemy will freeze you in any way that he can. And so for some of these Israelites, they were frozen in the memory of Mount Sinai. Others of the Israelites were frozen at the wells. Now watch this. Sometimes the enemy will freeze you at your worst, and sometimes the enemy will freeze you at good. Those wells were good. Those wells were fine. Those wells was for, were for a season, but those wells weren't where God has was taking them. And if the enemy can get you frozen in a good well, then that's fine with him too, as long as, as, long as he freezes you. As long as he freezes you. So do, do you see that? So, so I don't want to, I can't leave this relationship even though it's a great, not a great relationship because I, I don't want to go. See, see, what God was saying is I want to take you away from the well so that I can give you brooks and streams. Brooks and streams. And so what the enemy will do in your mind is he'll say, don't leave the well. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be another desert. Don't leave the well. You won't have provision out there. Don't leave the well. You don't even have a camel pack. You don't even have a bottle of water. You don't even have anything. And what God is saying is that if God is calling you to leave one thing, your job, your house, your whatever, God has better for you. You've got to believe that the brooks and streams of your future are better than the wells of your present. The wells, don't get... Don't don't get stuck in a season. Don't, don't go spiritually September of 2018 in Cabarrus County and Davidson. Because we got stuck in a season and it was called summer. And summer was good for a season, but when everybody else was posting all their pictures of riding bikes in the leaves and drinking pumpkin spice lattes, and you were out mowing your lawn, pouring out sweat in 90 degree heat, things are for a seat. Don't get stuck in summer. Lean to your neighbor, say, I'm glad fall's here. I'm glad it's here. Number four, don't compare what I have for you with what I've given somebody else. Lean over to your other neighbor and tell them, my Occupy isn't going to look like your Occupy. Tell them, tell them, I'm okay with that. I'm good. I'm good with that. At that time, in verse 8, the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the ark of the Lord's covenant and to stand before the Lord as his ministers and to pronounce blessings in his name. These are the duties, to their duties to this day. That is why the Levites have no share of property or possession of land among the other Israelite tribes. Because the Lord himself is their special possession as the Lord your God told them. So in Israel in that day, there were two ways that you could process being a Levite. You could process being a Levite with this perspective. I'm a Levite and I don't have a house. I'm a Levite and I'll never own a house. I'm a Levite and I want his house. I'm a Levite and I'll never be on HGTV. I don't understand why people and my relatives keep on watching Chip and Joanna Gaines when I don't even have a house. I don't need, and, so, and so that was one way to be a Levite, to look at the lack. Or you could process being a Levite 
like this. Oh God, I'm so glad that you blessed this person, my friend in this other tribe with a house. And I'm so thankful for what you've given them. But God, you've said, I don't have lack. You said, I have you. You said, I have a special inheritance of the possession of the Lord your God. Do you know that what you lack physically, God will give you spiritually? And sometimes the very thing that you're jealous of in somebody else's life, upset in the lack in your life is an opportunity. You say, well, God, God says, I didn't want to give you that, but I wanted to give you a spiritual gift. I didn't want to give you a possession, a physical possession. I wanted to give you my presence. I wanted to give you more favor. I wanted to give you more anointing. And if we keep looking at the houses that somebody else has, we'll never operate in our our anointing. There is a Levite anointing. It's not lack. It's not lack. It's God calling you to a place of special possession in your life. And then here's the final thing that God wants to tell you this morning. Frozen, frozen, frozen in our failures, frozen in those images. God would say to you this morning, get up and resume the journey. Get up and resume the journey. Verse 11, the Lord said to me, this is like straight out of scripture, right? The Lord said to me, get up, tell your neighbor, get up. Tell your other neighbor, resume. Get up and resume the journey and lead the people to the land I swore to give their ancestors so that they may take possession of it. Again, can I remind you that God didn't say, get up and resume the journey and it's going to take way longer. He didn't say, get up and resume the journey and the land was going to be, it was going to be like like 20,000 acres and now it's 10,000 acres. the The promise didn't, Diminish. Thank you so much for joining us. Here at CFA Church, it is our deepest hope that you have found the place that you can call home. For more information about this community or to find out how you can connect, simply head over to cfachurch.com where you can plan a visit right from the website. It is our prayer that you will continue to love Jesus and change the world. God bless you.